Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Brett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. Well, back in 2012, the owners of Huckberry introduced me to a guy who owned a company called GoRuck. Besides making high-quality ruck packs, I also know that GoRuck put on these all-night events in which participants hauled a 40-pound weight in their backpack while being led through a series of physically and mentally grueling exercises like push-ups, bear crawls, and carrying an 800-pound log with their teammates. And that's how I found myself in downtown Oklahoma City at 12 in the morning, sitting in a pond next to my brother in below freezing weather in the middle of November. Nine hours, hundreds of squat thrusts later, and 12 miles later, I finished my first GORUCK challenge. Since then, I've done other GORUCK events, and I've learned a lot about resilience, leadership, and teamwork in the process. And today on the show, I talked to the founder of GORUCK, Jason McCarthy, who started the company after serving as a Green Beret in Iraq. What began as a backpack company has morphed into a tight-knit community of people looking to push themselves through what Jason calls good living. Today on the show, Jason and I discuss where the idea of the GORUCK events came from, and what a man can learn about leadership, teamwork, and community by doing hard things with other people. After the show is over, check out the show notes at aom.is slash goruck, where you can find links to resources where you can delve deeper into this topic. Jason McCarthy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Brett. So you're the founder of a company that I, I have a love-hate relationship with, GoRuck. <laughs> I love your bags. I love, hate your events, and we'll talk about those here in a bit. But before there, we get to there, let's talk a bit about your background before you started GoRuck. What did you do before you started a company that makes awesome backpacks? Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah, so 9-11 happened, and you know, I was just graduated from college and really didn't know what I was going to do with my life, but that sort of shook up whatever plans I didn't have. And so ultimately, I wanted to join the military. I wanted to serve America in a time of war. Like, you know, the entire greatest generation did, and that's sort of been passed on from generation to generation in some ways. But, you know, this was sort of a, a shakeup call for, for me. So I enlisted in 2003, you know, after the Iraq war had sort of kicked off and made it through special forces training. So it was on a special forces A team from 2006 to 2008. And what special forces unit were you with? I was the 10th Special Forces Group, the first and best of them all, <laughs> right? So it's, it's Army Special Forces, right? So often referred to as the Green Berets, which is, you know, it's, we're, the only, we're the only unit trained to conduct unconventional warfare, right? So it's sort of by, with, and through local partners, right? So the best example of, because I, I get this question a lot, and I, I hear Special Forces thrown out there a lot. It, it typically really means army special forces within the military circles. And the best example of what makes Green Berets different than some of the other units is that we, we work by, with, and through local partner forces. So the best example of that was post 9-11. We sent a couple hundred Green Berets into Afghanistan, into the boneyard of the Soviet empire, and we linked up with the Northern Alliance to defeat the Taliban. So not just go in with helicopters, assaulters, and guns and defeat the Taliban, but use the Northern Alliance as a force multiplier to achieve our mission, right? So, you know, then in two months, we're, we've got a new president of Afghanistan that was sworn in, right? I mean, it's, it was a pretty awesome feat, and it's, it's a pretty amazing regiment community to have, to have been a part of because there's just so many giants' shoulders that we're all standing on. 
So how long did you do that stint in the military? Are you, and then when did you start GORUCK? Right. So I was in the military from 2003 to 2008, right? And I was married to a girl, the, the absolute love of my life. In, and she was in the foreign service. So she was serving in West Africa, right? And in Africa. And actually, while we were married <laughs> there, there was, a, there was something that came out that said the three worst cities in the world to live in were Enjamina, Chad, Abidjan, Cote d'Ivoire, and, and Baghdad. And we hit all three of those, right? While we were married, you know, kind of afar and, and doing our thing. And, and so the original idea for GORUCK, though, came when I visited her which was in, in Abidjan, which is West Africa, right? Like next to Ghana and places like that. And, you know, it was surprising because in some ways it was more scary than the first time I showed up in Baghdad. Because in Baghdad, you've got a team, right? And you're really tight and you're good at working together. And here it's kind of like they love a good coup in Africa. It could happen at any time. And so you've got to be ready all of the time, right? And so you're, you're driving around, you've got your truck, you've got your whatever, and you just don't, it's just a general sense of unease. And so I built a bag for her with additional supplies, extra ammo, or sorry, for me in war, it was extra ammo and extra batteries and extra grenades and extra stuff like that. For her, it was more like, you know, flashlights and what she would do in case of a coup if she was outside of the capital or away from home. I built another one that, that stayed at our home, right, in, in West Africa. And, and so the idea was to, to be ready in a time of crisis or a time of emergency. And even as our sort of personal life started crashing down because we'd been married for five years and never lived together, there was this idea of you should do the GORUCK thing. And so the GORUCK thing did not become the private security consulting service in West Africa that I destined myself to live there and sort of build because Slowly, I found myself sleeping on my, my buddy's couch in the East Village in New York City with an idea for GORUCK, and that was about it, right? So the idea for the bag lived on, and then the difficulty was how to, how to get it manufactured. And not knowing anything about manufacturing, that posed a whole new set of problems. Right. So uh, the design of the bag, I mean, they're really sturdy. I mean, I, I've got several of them. I use one of them for my go bag, kind of what you created for your wife and for yourself. And also as an ammo bag, um, or sort of a gun bag. What was the inspiration behind the design of the bag? Was it something that you used in your days uh, as a Green Beret? Right. So the term go rock was sort of slang, you know, go bag, bug out bag. That's what you would put in the trunk of the Humvee when you go out on a mission. Right. And so the military has all the best stuff and special forces has the has the better best stuff. And so it got a lot of access to a lot of different assault type packs. But what I found over time, especially as I personally was transitioning out of the military, was that they don't really transition to civilian life very well. Everyone wants the toughness. But you don't always want to have a trillion straps all over the place, right? So I had some assault packs. You know, they were Blackhawk and Camelback. And there was an LBT giant special forces medical pack that I used for Emily in, in West Africa. And, and so those were certainly inspirations from, a, hey, these are construction. This is the material. There's a little bit of Velcro. And in their case, there was a lot of Velcro. There were comp compression straps all over the place. And they looked like military assault packs. The, the original goal was to say, hey, we want one bag that's going to go, that, that's going to thrive in Baghdad and in New York City, right? Because that's what, that was the, the convergence of my life. You know, I'm sleeping on my buddy's couch in the East Village, having sort of my heart still with my team who was back in war at that time. And life was not in a really good place for me. So this bag became this sort of symbol in my own head, right? For, this bridge between these two worlds that I was starting to try to cross myself. And, and then obviously the events became a, a further extension of that. Right. So you didn't know anything about manufacturing. How did you learn that? Did you just, was it just trial by fire? You just, Oh, it was, it was the, the biggest problem was everything. I had no idea, right? I didn't know the difference between R and D and scale manufacturing. I didn't know how to sew. I didn't know where materials came from. I don't know how, I didn't know anything. So I actually placed an ad in Craigslist, New York City. And this was 2008. So you go back then and the economy was not in a good place. And so this small, this, this team of this couple, 
had been laid off their job in New Zealand and then moved back to Montana. And they were trolling for work to pay the bills, right? So in these, these times of bad economies and such, they're really opportunities because you've got a lot of people out there with all this talent that they just want to put to work, right? So sometimes you got to take a chance on things. And had a little bit of money from, you know, saving up from deployments and stuff where they don't let you spend all that much money, even if you wanted to. So they answered my Craigslist New York City ad and they had sort of a, a, a website and stuff. It seemed really professional and nice and that was great, right? So they taught me. This was such a blessing in disguise though because they were awesome. It was Trish and Sky Wookie, and they were just awesome. They taught me the entire process of what things are. That's the stupidest questions, right? And and yet through this sort of combination of, because, you know, they had sort of a background in hiking and in, in the outdoor world. And my background was in military and in the carry, the ways that you carry things and the way that you choose to, to, to create load bearing systems are philosophically and fundamentally completely different between civilian hikers and, and the military. Right. And there was this merging that we had between those two worlds that, that I got from working with them. And so they taught me a lot about the process. And then in, in the end, we had what became GR1 and our original lines of rucks. That's right. And are they all manufactured here in the U.S.? They are. Yes. Yeah. It's, a, it's a, one of the big seller, selling points for me. So besides the, the original GR1, you guys have branched out to other products. Anything in particular stands out to you that you're, you're really proud of? Yeah. So the original, I mean, the original line of rucks is what is our flagship sort of line, right? And those came about because I kept telling Sky, I was like, I would just want one rock, right? Like one rock, kiss, keep it simple, stupid. And he's like, man, it's just not much work to just add an extra compartment to another one and call it, you know, GR2 or whatever. And then, you know, make another one smaller. You might find that people want a little variety. And I'm really glad we did that. It did add some complexity, but so that's sort of our flagship. What we're really turning toward now is the apparel side. Right. And, and in that, the, the simple pants, the challenge pants, those are sort of the flagship products of, of that at this time. But behind the scenes, there's a lot more stuff coming. And this is through, again, a great partnership that we have with Joe Duhan at KL Manufacturing out in Spokane, Washington. They build all of our, our apparel. It's obviously made in, made in the States. And we're really turning toward that for more, you know, broad appeal, if you will. I mean, apparel is a different game. They say it's really hard and, uh, you know, they say everything's hard. So, you know, that just means work hard, be smart, whatever that is, set your mind to it and, and you can do it. So we have a great partnership with him. You know, like at the last Olympics, 25 countries were wearing performance gear that he had built in Spokane, Washington, stuff like that. So he's a great partner. We're scaling up with him, doing a lot of the the R&D work directly with him and then field testing it and, and back for more. So the apparel is in its infancy relative to where it's going and we're really proud of it. Awesome. Well, let's shift gears and talk about the events. But before we talk about the, the, the event specifically, let's talk about the act of rucking. What is rucking? Is it just putting on a backpack and walking? Right. So rucking comes, it's a military word, right? Like it's really there's no such thing as backpacking in the military. Everything is rucking, you know, and, and a backpack, there's no such thing as a backpack. There's a ruck or a rucksack, right? So it's really a verb and a noun. You, you wear a ruck and you go for a ruck, you, you go rucking or, or however you can say it that doesn't confuse all of those English words that I probably just messed up. But the, the point is, is that this is the foundation of all special forces training. You put some weight on your back and you go for a walk. Now, more weight, it's harder to go faster, of course. Less weight, it's easier to go faster. There are, there are sort of training implications on your body, right? I mean, what I don't recommend doing is, is the amount of weight that you have to carry in special forces training. You know, that, that gets to be a lot. Like some of it was 125 pounds plus for, you know, the better part of days, Right. And, and that's that's too much. That's the military takes the fun out of pretty much all of that kind of stuff. Right. Like scuba diving. It's fun until you have to go to dive school, which I didn't. But a lot of my buddies did. You know, it's like you think jumping out of planes is fun. Well, how would you like to wake up at three in the morning and stand there in line for six hours before you get your like three second fix? Right. I mean, it's just there's a lot of fun that the military takes out of things. But the foundational fitness element of special forces training is just to go for a ruck. Put some weight on your back and you go for a walk. That's awesome. And there's like a lot of benefits. I think you did a video a while back ago saying like, you know, you get about the same amount of like workout 
doing a, an hour long ruck than you would running a 5k or something like that. Right. So, so look, everybody hates to run, right? I hate to run. We as a, as a culture, as a society, we've been almost shamed into becoming fit, right? Like when you played high school sports and you messed up as a team, what did they do? They made you go run, right? Because it sucks that bad, you know? And so there are fitness benefits to rucking as opposed to running. Like for instance, every time you go for a run, every stride you take, you put between seven and 12 times your body weight onto your knee, right? When you rock, because the gait is different, you put between two and three times your body weight plus whatever you're carrying, right? Onto your knee. So the impact on your knee is significantly less. They don't call it runner's knee for nothing, right? Because it's, it's running as hard on your knees. There's, there's also the, the resistance part of rocking is that you're putting weight on your back, right? And you're moving with really your money makers, your glutes and your, and your thighs, right? So those are getting a workout as well. In addition to your shoulders and your back. So People in the military, they have big, strong backs, not because there's a back machine at the military gyms that's exclusive to those. It's because there's more time underweight. And to sort of modernize this as well, you know, all of us have phones and we stare down at those phones or we stare down at our screens and it starts to round our, our neck forward. This is really bad for our posture because our body gets used to that and then we stay in that sort of position more easily. Well, with rucking, when you put the weight on your shoulders and, and back, what you'll find is that it's really uncomfortable to try to roll your shoulders forward. So in essence, as you're rucking, you're correcting your posture that you're doing while you sit at your desk or stare at your phone all day. That's awesome. And walking is just, it's a foundational movement. Like I think that's such a useful movement to have because if, you know, let's say the stuff does hit the fan and you got to get out. Like you probably have to walk. A yeah. Lot. I mean, so it's like you want to be a hard target or you want to be an easy target, right? Like you need to, you're probably not going to be judged by your ability to pick up a car like Mr. Incredible, right? You might, but you probably won't. It's probably, can you evade an escape, right? Because when, when stuff does hit the fan, the last thing you want to do is pick a fight, right? Like that's one of the things that you learn is this, this special forces mindset is that if you're going to get into a fight, it should be a life or death fight. Bar fights and picking stupid fights are, it, it's for amateurs, right? Like what you have to focus on is, you know, there's, I'll walk away from damn near any fight, but if I get into a fight, it's not going to be good, right? And in that same type of mindset, yeah, you need to be able to move when it's time to evade and escape. Right. Uh, yeah, I definitely prefer rucking over running. If I need to do cardio, I'll put on my 40 pound rucksack and just go to a park nearby and just ruck as opposed to running. I will do anything to avoid running. It's not fun. So yeah. And so the faster you go too, I mean, you get the, the active part of active resistance training, AKA rucking is the cardio. So, you know, every meathead knows that running kills muscle cells, right? I heard that a million times. And when I was in my meathead phase, right? Like I, I would quote it, right? Like running kills muscle cells. I don't want to do that. Right. Or running breeds cowardice, stuff like that. Right. Well, rucking actually builds it and you get the cardio side of it. So I think it's great, especially as Americans get bigger, as we get bigger, stronger as well, not just bigger, but stronger, the more, the more mass that you have, the worse running is for your body. So rocking is a, is a really solid alternative. Nice. All right. So let's talk about the events. How did that start? Was that a part of the original business plan? Or was that sort of a happy accident that's blown up to something really big? So it was, it was a total, total accident. And even as it was happening, I really refused to believe that it was happening. So like I said, early, early on, I had, you know, worked with this, this couple to get these bags built. Right. And so the bags are built and I knew they were awesome. I'm like, this gear one is awesome. Right. Well, so I turned the website on and that's how we were going to sell. And guess what happened? You know, nothing. Right. Because nobody knew about us. So as a business, what you struggle with is, is awareness. You have to tell people your story at this point in my life in 2010, when we first had the bags, right? The rucks, if you will. I really didn't want to tell my story because I was not committed to go ruck. I thought that I wanted to go back and serve America wherever she would, she would have me, right? Like pick the worst place in the world. That's where the most fun work is when your business is unconventional warfare, that kind of stuff, right? And so what I didn't want to be was the face of a company because that would sabotage future abilities to serve. Well, that's just where my mindset was at the time. 
So that said, I had borrowed money from my dad who it was an investment, but I'd taken money from my dad a little bit to buy inventory, to drive around to all 48 states, to try to, you know, tell people the story face to face, right? Because that's going to get them to buy something, I guess, right? And what I found out quickly, though, is that nobody wanted to buy the bag and nobody knew about us. They're really expensive. It's $300 for a backpack. It's insane, right? It's insane. You can go to Walmart, of course, and buy something for 20 bucks. Of course, it's going to fall apart, but it's just people are, are conditioned to think that, you know, if it, it, what things should cost. Right. And so what happened was, I was like, you know, I've got every dollar in this product that I really believe in. And I kept going down the rabbit hole of investing more time and cash into it where I kind of, I really hate to fail. And so this became something that, you know, I'm failing at my marriage at this time. So it was already basically done. Right. And I'm like, man, I can't, I can't handle another failure at this point. So I just sort of said, all right, I'm going to make this work. Right. So the go Ruck challenge became what I thought would be a good opportunity for me to show up and take pictures of the class, putting the, the bags through the paces. So a lot of times you have to say, what makes your bag different? It's a really simple question and it's, it's easy enough to answer even, but you have to show people too. And so I thought, hey, we'll get this team event loosely based around special forces training and I'll take pictures in these beautiful cities and show these different environments where the bags are, are still thriving despite all of the stress, right? Because what I could not do anymore was go back to Iraq or go back to Africa and take pictures while I was in special forces. So I kind of said, hey, I, I know how to build a team. I've done it before in the military working with foreign fighters. I'm pretty sure I can do this with Americans, right? And so that was the that was the impetus for the challenge. And when the people first showed up, I was surprised that they were almost excited to be there. It was just kind of weird because it was very unknown, right? And when you're in special forces, the military, coming from those worlds, you think that you have sort of a monopoly on doing really awesome stuff. And yes, you do get to do really awesome stuff, but there's a lot of people out there that share this same kindred spirit, the same love of life that want to push themselves to extremes. And I found a lot of those people through leading Go Ruck challenges. And in the course of this, building teams and getting feedback from people about they've never quite experienced anything like that and how they would take it back to their daily lives. What I did not foresee was that the Go Ruck challenge would be about the people wearing the rucks, not the rucks that were on their backs, right? So people became the focus of Go Ruck through the challenge and via grassroots, we, we grew. And that became the awareness driver that Go Ruck needed in order to get people to find out about us and what we believe in and what we stand for. And so now is that a big part of your business is, are the events? You know, so it's interestingly enough, it's, it's a complex business to have two completely separate parts of a company and yet they collectively form the GORUCK brand. And so what I mean is operationally, the manufacturing culture is largely a, a nine to five type of blue collar work. Like my dad is a, a union member in Ohio, right? Like he shows up at nine, he leaves at five. And, you know, yeah, there's overtime sometimes, but it's just, it's machinery. It's really hard. You're on your feet. You're working with your hands all day long, right? And and then you've got this, this events culture, which is, you know, we're, it's, it's just sort of, it's, there's a back end and a headquarters that's marketing and stuff, sure. But the actual events, you know, they're overnight. It's extreme conditions of hours. It's atypical. It's it's the opposite of nine to five. And so culturally, putting both of those underneath the GORUCK umbrella has been a, a challenge, like little C as opposed to big C GORUCK challenge. But it's also been what has sort of propelled us. So as, as sort of a tactical business case study, if you will, like the event revenue is about 25% of GORUCK's revenue. But it's, it sort of controls the brand. And then it raises awareness for the people who then come through our universe and buy the gear, the apparel, the t-shirts, the stuff, the training, all the training equipment, stuff like that. And so, yeah, I mean, when you look at it nuts and bolts, it's 25% of our total revenue. And it's about a break-even operation right? Like the margins on the events. I mean, it depends on how you assign overhead costs and all that type of stuff. 
but it's it's not a, a profitable it's not a profit center for us but early on in the early days what it was was people would pay today for an event that was happening in the future and i used that money in order to buy more inventory so i sort of had this sort of yin yang this house of cards almost thing going where it's like you're you're using money that you know you have to you have to provide a service later, but it's funneling into inventory purchases now, right? So there was a fair amount of juggling, and to a certain extent, there's always going to be a little bit of that, right, from a cash standpoint. But so that's a little bit behind the scenes, nuts and bolts. But ultimately, for me, it's it's one go rug, and I think about both sides a lot, and I think about how to use, like, how to strengthen gear with events and events with gear. So let's, can you walk us through a GoRuck challenge? Like if someone signs up for it, what should they expect? So uh, what did you expect before your first GoRuck challenge? I, so I, I kind of had an idea because I, I, I got introduced to you via the guys at Huckberry and they told yeah, me, yeah, Andy and Richard, Andy and right. Richard, right. And uh, they told me about this thing. I was like, yeah, I want to do that. So I got signed up for one. I thought it was going to be hard. But at the time, like this is when you guys were first starting the events, so there really wasn't a lot out there on the internet about, you know, kind of event breakdowns. I just knew it was going to be all night. I'd be doing a lot of walking and there'd be push-ups. That's what I was <laughs> going in thinking. So, I mean, seriously, I, mean, I trained for this thing for like three months and I, I did some serious training. I'd go to a football field wearing my rucksack and I would do bear crawl, like hundred yard bear crawls, all sorts of crazy stuff to get ready for this thing. Yeah, yes. So... Basically, I mean, now you can obviously read more about it and all of that kind of stuff. But in essence, what it is, is you sign up and you're part of a small class that becomes a team. So you show up on a random street corner in, you know, pre-designated, right? It's not a total mystery. Um, Here's your start point and, and a special forces guy shows up there. Now, his job is to, yes, challenge you and push you. But ultimately, it's about an outcome of what it feels like to be on a team. It's its own sort of sense of high, right? Like when you're really on a, on a team and you're in combat operations or whatever it is, you start to really operate like a pack. It's got nothing to do with the individual and it creates a heightened sense of awareness. It creates like a, a real high. It's a high that you search for in life, you know, and you get that when you're on a team. And so his job, the cadre's job is – to make sure that the team experiences what a day in the life of training in special forces feels like. And that, that fundamentally involves being part of a team. So you show up and in, in, there's, there's, you know, physical challenges to sort of break down the barriers that we all bring to anything we do with strangers, right? Like you show up and it's like a middle school dance at the beginning. It's nervous. It's awkward. Everyone's like, oh my God, what's going to happen to me, right? That type of stuff. And so... The, the surest way to get people outside of their comfort zones and to start working together is to put them in a stressful situation together. So the, the point is not the specific exercise. It's how you as a team start to work together. And it's, it's a long dance, right? Because it does take a while to get to break down the barriers and then build it back up. But, but look, it's not boot camp. There's not yelling and screaming about, you know, you're a terrible person, blah, 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 right? Like, save that stuff for the military. This is more, like, frankly, people are paying to do this. And so there's got to be an entertainment value and there's got to be a learning value and there's got to be a challenge, challenging value, right? Like, you find your demons and you punch them in the throat style, you know? But, but the real value comes in the evolution of the team. So you appoint team leaders and there's missions. Hey, you know, get everybody go from point A to point B in this type of time frame. If you see this kind of car with, with an out of state license plate, then you have to run off into the tree line and, you know, camouflage yourselves, right? There's a point, there's a method to the madness, right? And so something like that would be designed to say, Hey, you don't get to just stare at your feet when you're tired, you know? And so you're on your way home. So, that even relates back to sort of special forces missions where the mo- one of the most dangerous parts of the mission is on the way home, right? You're, you're tired. You've got your, your chemical dump is, is gone. Like you, in theory, could almost fall asleep, right? A lot of times you do if you're on a helicopter. 
But what you're not allowed to do if you're driving, you, you have to still look out for roadside bombs. You have to still look out for people who are out and about in, in the town, right? So you've got to stay aware as part of your team because that's how the pack thrives together, right? Because everyone's got, got a set of eyes and you got to pay attention. So there's just various missions to help, you know, the team come together. You build contraptions, you carry logs, you like you name it. Right. Google go rock. You'll see a lot of the stuff that goes on. Right. Yeah. The <laughs> missions I've been in that like someone always gets injured, right. Pretend injured. Right. And right. Then right. You have to carry, you have to carry them, figure that out. And that's always hard. And like the, often like the cadre will like, they won't pick the ladies cause you're like, they're the lightest, but like they'll pick like the heaviest guy. Oh, and, always the biggest. Yeah. You right. always pick the, you know? And, and so, you know, part of it is, is that it's also, you don't know when this is going to end. Right. That's a huge difference between, say, going road running or a marathon or, you know, a road race, whatever. It's like you start and then, you know, they give you your mile markers and then it's over. This this is not about the miles per se. It's about how the team is working. The event as it unfolds is in the mind of the cadre who's leading the class. So if, if the team starts infighting and bickering, it's my biggest pet peeve. Right. Like cool breeds cool. And our job as cadre is to ratchet up the stress factor. Now, when you ratchet up the stress factor, what it does is people get short with each other. They get, you know, they snap at each other, stuff like that. Well, our job is, is to correct that. And, and that's like how life should work, right? I mean, if you have a bad attitude, fix your attitude. It's not the world's, it's not everyone around you. It's not their problem that you're having a bad day, you know? And, and so, that's our job is to make sure that that type of stuff doesn't happen. So that's the, the go ruck. What is it called now? Like when I was doing it back in 2012, there was just the go ruck challenge. That was it. But now you've expanded the line. So I guess like the North, like the, the all night event is called go ruck tough. Besides- right. So the challenge is the series now, right? Okay. And so there's the go ruck light, the go ruck tough and the go ruck heavy. And they're, they're basically all three of them are founded on the same type of special forces lessons learned and teamwork, leadership, communication, stuff like that. The, the biggest difference is just the amount of time and the amount of stress, if you will, that's placed upon the participants because it's not linear, right? So the light is intentionally very accepting and very fun. There's not enough time for the cadre to to be too tough on you, if you will. And, and one of our guidelines for the cadre is that they have to be liked. And so you, don't, you never say that to someone who's a drill sergeant. They need to be respected, right? But they also need to be liked because this is an event that people are giving up their time and, and money to come be a part of because they want a great experience. And if they're angry or this is a boot camp type thing, they're not going to have a positive experience. So the light there's not enough time to really ratchet down on the class to, to still sort of be liked, frankly, because you've got a, a lot of people and there's, there's a method to the madness always. So yes, it's challenging, but we don't get to take you into sort of the depths of your, your spirit animal, right? The tough, the 12 hour event, you know, formerly and, and will always be the original go ruck challenge, the original go ruck event. You will find your spirit animal there for sure. And it's because we just have a lot of time. So, you know, the classic blueprint for the Go Rock Tough Challenge is a three-hour welcome party, right? That means three hours of CrossFit to start it out, right? And if that's not for you, then it's not for you. But it's for more people than, than think it is, right? Everybody says, oh, I can't do that. That's crazy. Then they show up and they do it. And they, you know, these are the ones that become lifelong converts. And, and then there's the, the heavy, which is, you know, you'll find multiple spirit animals at that one. <laughs> yeah. I haven't done that one. I haven't done heavy. I've done like probably three toughs. Yeah. Haven't done the heavy yet. And then you guys have one that's like brutal is selection, which is we do. 48 hours. Right. So that's a different, that's a different event entirely. And so first off, you're, you're on the hook for heavy or do I've, I've heard you're an awesome teammate at all of your events I know you love to lift heavy stuff because I get your newsletters, right? And, uh, right. <laughs> you know, heavy's just lifting heavy stuff for longer, right? So uh, it's, it's a good one, though. It's still the team event. It's still the same philosophy of working together and stuff. It's just longer. It pushes you harder. So selection is kind of the dark side of GORUCK, though. It, it sort of stole all, all the oxygen out of the room a few years ago, and we had a lot of them. 
and ultimately it's it's based off of special forces assessment and selection so it's not a team event it's not a fun event ever it's not sort of designed to empower you except in so far as it will teach you a lot of humility and and that's the greatest lesson that i learned from both completing the special forces qualification course which was only the beginning of my real service and then serving was was humility and the guys that you serve with, they give it to you and the training, you, you get it from the cadre who, who are in the training. But selection is, is, is uh, if there's a tougher endurance event in the world, I've never seen it. Yeah, no, it looks pretty brutal. But besides these these other events, you guys have branched out. Like you have one event that I did a few weeks ago here in Tulsa was called Constellation. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. Can, if someone were to sign up for that, what would someone expect there? And what's the goal of Constellation? So we were just chatting before. What did you describe it to your friends as? I described it as adult hide-and-seek in downtown Tulsa while learning survival, urban survival skills. Yeah, so I, I mean, that's about right. Look, I mean, at the foundation of what GORUCK events are and do is we have these special forces cadre. And the the depth of experience is enormous. And so... Yes, there's this, this physical event called the Go Ruck Challenge, and we've got a, a pretty strong blueprint on that. We know how to build teams. And, and yet, there's a lot more stuff that we can, we can teach, our cadre can teach. And so urban survival is certainly one of them. And so what we see Constellation as is a, a series that runs parallel to the challenge, right? So it's authentic in all of the same ways that the challenge are. It's led by special forces guys, and they teach you special forces lessons. They're designed to empower though. This isn't, this isn't designed for you to become a spy or anything like that, right? It's designed for you to show up and learn what to do in, in a time of crisis. And more than anything, what you'll learn is that it's a mindset. It's a mindset of being in special forces where I, I'm not the best thing at anything, but I know I can figure it out. And I know that when hell descends, I know how to keep my calm and do the right thing. And so that's sort of the purpose of Constellation and, and where that urban survival side of GORUCK is going to go. And so we also have, you know, expeditions that are out in the, out in the wilderness. And, you know, basically there's lots of outdoor style companies. It's just our outdoor events are led by current and former special forces guys. I mean, Boy Scouts that also have war stories, which is pretty cool. <laughs> no, it was awesome. I had a great time. And uh, for those, I think it's a great way if you're not ready to do uh, a challenge event, it's a great introduction to sort of the GORUCK community. And then from there. Yeah, so the best part is about GORUCK is the people. Yeah. You know, the community. And so we want people to see that community. And, and Constellation is certainly a new way in. Yeah. I mean, that's, let's talk about that. I mean, I feel like, let's talk about like what your big picture goals are with these events. It's not just about selling bags and selling the GORUCK brand. I mean, it seems like you guys actually have like a big picture goal. Like you want to change the the culture in some way. And you know, what I, when I, the events that I've done, I feel like one of the big lessons that the, the cadres are trying to pound into our heads is this idea of uh, teamwork. Cause I remember you talk about that welcome party, you know, they always, they always said like the welcome party will last as long as you want, or you need it to last. I'm like, what does that mean? And it was basically, it was like, he would keep it going until he saw that we were working as a team. And it always took like two or three hours for people to kind of get that idea. So, I mean, is that the, like the biggest issue you see when people do these events? Like they're, they're thinking like an individual and they don't want to think like a, like a team member. Yeah. I mean, I think all of us do it. Right. You know, I mean, we live our we live our lives and, you know, we all have our iPhones and our iFurniture and our iHouses and everything. You know, we, we have this cultural ability to be so, so private and privacy is, is great. Right. I'm all for, you know, the rights associated with that. But the problem is, is that we're also human beings and evolution has raised us to be part of a, of a community. That's how, that's how we thrive is together. And right now, GORUCK is running counterculture to this idea of it's all about me, 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 right? So everyone sits and waits for, you know, when's the next iPhone going to come out? Because then I'll, I'll be happy, right? I'll put my headphones in and I'll walk around by myself and I'll listen to my music on my phone and see my world. And, you know, it's all about me. And we're, 
at our events and just in the way that we want to live our, our lives is we want to be part of something bigger than ourselves. And so where I've seen that operate the best is, is in the United States Army Special Forces. I mean, it is exactly not about you. It is about your team. And so we, we bottle up that little bit of magic, that way of life, and we bring that with us to our events. And it colors the way that we talk about what we do and how we do it, and, and certainly you know, shapes our thinking and how we should be leading events and, and teaching people that way of life. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, the, uh, the big take that I love that lesson when they finally, we had to like, during the, the welcome party, like the cadre just finally had to tell us, all right, like you guys have to do this thing together. Like everything has to be in sync. If you don't do it in sync, then we're going to keep doing this until you get it in sync. And what's amazing uh, is that really breaks down the barriers. Like after that welcome party, the rest of the night, people are looking out for each other. They're, they're, uh, they're humble. They're no longer thinking like a, like an individual, but rather they're thinking like a team player. So like that, that welcome party really is sort of like that rite of passage into the go ruck community that breaks down those, those walls and makes you start thinking like you're part of a team. Yeah. So the, the go ruck challenge, it's, it's an easier way to do this because pain is a very powerful motivator. Right. And so once you show up to any school or to any job for that matter, right, you're playing by someone else's rules. Now, over time, you can help evolve those rules, maybe. Usually in, in military settings and stuff, you can't. You're just playing by their rules. And so at the Go Ruck Challenge, it's the cadre sets the rules. And so you have to play by those rules. That's sort of the definition of it, right? And and so what we're trying to show people is that. It's not about how fast you can do this by yourself because we see that a lot, right? Someone will show up and they just think they show up full of, they're just a little cocky. I'm going to crush this. And, and it's about me. A lot of people sign up to prove something to themselves and they, they learn a little something extra while they're there along this journey um, after they eat their humble pie, you know, and they show up and they're barking orders at everyone because they're doing the push-ups better or the whatever, bear crawls better. And so you're a cadre told you, hey, you have to do this together. For whatever reason, breaking down the barriers of our lives, it takes a little bit of time. You know, people are naturally don't just go up to each other and say, hey, let's work together. You have to build rapport. That's a process. It takes time. It takes trust. And in this case, it's just highly accelerated because there's a motivator to, to making sure that you work together, aka pain, right? Yeah, I love that. I mean, what lessons do you think on leadership? Do you think a, a man can learn from taking part in a go ruck challenge? So you can't learn a lot from leadership in just books. You, to learn is to do. And when you're given an opportunity to lead, you have to do it. So we sort of break down the, the process into four steps, like solving problems in life in general. Understand the problem, visualize a solution, over-communicate, and then adapt to win. And so if you apply these sort of steps to any problem, you'll know where you are in this sort of decision-making process, and it helps you be a better leader. So understand the problem. A lot of times people hear what they want to hear, not what's actually being said, and so they start going off in the wrong direction, solving the wrong problem, if you will, right? After you have made sure that you brief your boss back what you thought you understood the problem to be, right, then you say, okay, now you've got to visualize a solution. Right? You say, okay, this is how we're going to solve this. Sometimes it, it requires consensus. Other times it doesn't. Sometimes you got to task, not ask. Right? Over-communicate your plan to your team. And, and by the way, over-communication is literally impossible. It's not possible to over-communicate. It's just life changes. Anything changes. You've got to communicate those changes to everyone. There's nothing more boring than being sort of a private in life or in the military and not knowing what's going on and you're just told to stand over there and do nothing, right? That's, that's not a fun place to be. And so if you're in charge, make sure that people know what's going on. And then adapt to win basically, basically just means Murphy's going to strike. It's not if, it's when. And you have to then reassess where you are with your plan and your team. And so when you're in charge, you're, you have to... 
if the whole plan changes, you've got to go back and understand the problem again. Visualize a solution, over-communicate, and make sure that you have your whole team on board with you and make sure that you're going the right direction. But ultimately, that's sort of a, a system. Leadership is about doing. You've got to do. You've got to make decisions. And then if they're the wrong decisions, you've got to fail fast. You've got to eat some humble pie. You've got to correct it quickly, and you've got to keep on going with a new, better plan. Yeah. What I love about the challenge is that everyone, pretty much everyone, will have a chance to be a leader at some point in the night where they'll have to lead some mission. But then everyone will also have a turn being a follower. And I think that's an important part of learning how to be a leader is learning how to be a good follower as well. And it's it's always, it's amazing to see the, I don't know, like some people are terrified of actually being a leader for like two hours during a GORUCK event. But at the, by the end of it, like you can see that confidence because they actually got to practice that leadership theory you were talking about. Yeah, we're really big on empowerment, you know, and there's so many times in life where people are just too scared to take the first step. And I know because I've been there, right? Like I'm the guy that, that couldn't ask the love of his life to, to go out with him on a date for like a decade. So I'm not sitting here just some barrel chested freedom fighter, you know, and it's like sometimes the first step's really hard and, and being forced to being forced to take that first step can be the best thing that ever happened to you. Yeah. Well, I'm sure um, you've had a lot of stories because I think you and Huckberry guys have done this thing where they have like a battle story event where you guys get together and drink some beer and then share stories of, you know, past GORUCK event glories. I'm curious in your, your time doing the challenges in these events, have there been any stories of people whose lives were transformed because of an event that really stuck out to you and really, I don't know, like it sticks with you and you're like, man, this is why we do it. This is why we're doing this thing that we're doing. Yeah. I, I mean, the most tangible story, I mean, I, I'm pretty accessible on Facebook and so people reach out to me and stuff, which, which I love, frankly. I mean, I love our community and our people. Um, and one notable story was a guy transitioning. He had already transitioned out of the, the military and was just in a really dark, dark place. And, you know, the, as he's recounting later, he's like, you know, I was, I was on the verge of killing myself. And I, I just, I needed something. And for whatever reason, the idea of showing up and suffering with other people like I used to do in the military at a GORUCK challenge, it spoke to me. And instead of killing myself, I showed up at the GORUCK challenge and I became part of this awesome community. And it sort of, it wasn't an overnight fix for me. So I, I just got goosebumps. It wasn't an overnight fix for me, but you know, it, it brought me back to the kind of person that I wanted to be again. Yeah, I love that story. That's an awesome. Do you, do you have a lot of former um, military guys doing Go Ruck? So, yeah, we do. Short. The short answer is yes. The the longer answer is a lot of times people will see it and they'll say, "No thanks, I'm good. I've done that." Right. But as as we who have been in sort of get more removed from it, you realize that the best part about the army was also the people right? The people that you got to serve with and beside. And that's what GORUCK sort of replicates. So it fills a lot of voids in, in people's lives like that. And I think for the better. Yeah. I, I know in my experience, you know, I, I'm not, I'd never served in the military, but I feel like the, the challenges um, have been a way for me to rub so shoulders with veterans. Um, and it's a great way for civilians and veterans to rub shoulders and do something together. And uh, for civilians to get an insight into what you know, veterans did, uh, instead of the whole, you know, thank you for your service. Like you actually get to do something with these guys. And I think the veterans like that too, because, you know, they're just doing something. They're not the, like, you know, I feel like sometimes they feel awkward being told, thank you for your service, kind of be put on a pedestal. Sometimes they just want to like live their life and do something with just like a normal human being. So I, that's been, I feel like a been a uh, benefit to me personally doing the events. Yeah, that's a really good, that's a really good and fair assessment of it. I mean, for us, building a bridge between the military and the civilian world is, is a really important and, and noble calling. And so, you know, however many years after the wars and, and all of the sort of saturation visual that we've been given from those wars, you know, it's, it's, it's become too easy for the talking heads out there to talk about how there's such a huge gap between the military and the civilian worlds and such a small percentage of America actually serves. We forget how far we've come from Vietnam. We forget just we forget about the good things because they're not the right clickbait or whatever, right? And so what we see through Go Rock events is a lot of people 
who for time or circumstance didn't serve in the military, but are leading very good and noble lives in their communities, making the world a better place in, in their way as well. And this is just a place where, for me personally, uh, I thought that awesome, I thought that special forces kind of had a monopoly on awesome, right, when I was in. And it's kind of the mindset that you have to have. And however, when I got out and I was exposed to the community that became the GORUT community, it's, there's a lot of people out there that are just really good people and they want to do really good stuff and they want to serve something higher than themselves. And I've met a lot of them. And so it is, it's fun to just be out there and it doesn't matter if you're black, white, young, old, male, female, gay, straight, military, civilian, whatever. You're just out there doing work together. And I think that that's the surest way to break down any barrier. I love that. Well, Jason, where can people go to learn more about uh, the events and the challenges you guys do? So goruck.com has the whole goruck universe on it. Gear, events, apparel, you name it. Awesome. Well, Jason McCarthy, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me, Brett. It was awesome. My guest today was Jason McCarthy. He is the founder and CEO of GoRuck. You can find more information about GoRuck and their events at goruck.com. Also check out our show notes at aom.is slash goruck, where you can find links to resources. We can delve deeper in this topic. You'll find some links about uh, my experience with GoRuck and how I trained for it. So check that out there. GoRuck at aom.is slash goruck. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. For more manly tips and advice, make sure to check out the Art of Manliness website at artofmanliness.com. If you enjoy the show, if you've gotten something out of it, I'd appreciate it if you take a minute or two to write us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. It really helps us out a lot. As always, thank you for your continued support. And until next time, this is Brett McKay telling you to stay manly. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.